You're listening to the Ruby on Rails podcast. You're listening to episode 467 and I'm your co-host, Brittany Martin. Amanda Perillo is the newly appointed executive director of the Rails Foundation. The mission of the foundation is to improve the documentation, marketing, events, and education efforts in support of the Rails community. At the time of this recording, she has been in the role for exactly two months and is here to tell us what's in the works at the foundation so far. Welcome to the Ruby on Rails podcast, Amanda. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you for inviting me. It's really exciting to be here. I am super excited that you are here as well. Now, I told you in the pre-call that we always start with the developer origin story, even though we want to dive into your role at the Rails Foundation. So let's start off with your origin story. Yeah, and I listened to your podcast, so I knew this was coming. And I don't really have the best story to tell here, but I'll tell what I have. So I think maybe gather around while I tell you a little story of a plan gone pretty much nowhere. I started studying at the Luwagen Bootcamp last year in June, and I chose the six-month web development program to learn something completely new just because I like learning. So I did have some basic HTML from university way, way back at this point. And my whole goal was to just learn something new, really dive into something. And for six months, that's exactly what I did. I worked full-time all day and then part-time, so two nights a week, and then all day Saturday at this boot camp. So first we learned Ruby and then databases, front-end stuff, Rails, and then we worked on our team projects. And the boot camp was great. I loved the virtual aspect of it. My classmates were great. I loved learning. I loved the puzzle of like attacking a coding challenge. And to me, all that was exciting. But I was really just there to learn something new. And I had no intention of really becoming a developer as a career pivot, like really everybody else in my class. So towards the end of this very intense six months where I'm working all the time, I'm traveling for work. And sometimes I would have to get up at like 5 a.m. to attend this virtual boot camp and stretch my mind in all these funny ways. Everybody was deciding what path they were going to go down with front end, back end, full stack. And I was just really happy to have survived to get that graduation certificate and learn something new. And I was really looking forward to getting my life back. So that's my developer origin story and the ending story. I thought my Rails journey would end there. Oh, that is so, so interesting. I love the idea that you didn't have a ton of pressure going through boot camps. So you probably got to enjoy it a bit more. I know it can be really challenging, especially for the junior developer listeners out there where you're just fretting about what's the next steps. Have I learned enough? In the end, did you end up having a preference towards front end versus back end? I think probably back end. I thought going into it front end, but actually when I think about aesthetics and things like that, that's not a strong point for me. It was really interesting because halfway through, I was sitting there thinking like, am I the only one that is struggling like this? I was silently struggling and it's a virtual boot camp. Mm-hmm. So one time we were in this kind of like an all hands. And one woman, one classmate, Victoria, she got really vulnerable for a second and was like, guys, I'm really struggling over here. And here I was thinking she was doing really well. And then she was struggling just like I was. And as soon as she said that, all of us were like, oh my gosh, me too. Yes. Oh my gosh, this is so hard, way harder than I thought. So that kind of collective struggle was really important to know that we were all kind of confused halfway through. And in the end, now she's working as a front-end developer and she's really good at it. That's amazing. Perception really is everything. 
Last question on this. When you went to find a boot camp, what was your process in terms of picking which one to go to? Because the developer boot camp scene has changed so much over the last 10 years. I think I was really interested in databases. So one of the first things I was looking at was the most chunky database part of the curriculum. And I think it was a good four weeks for Lewagon that they spend on that. So that's one thing that drove me. It wasn't the languages or the framework that we were studying at all. So I kind of lucked into Lewagon being the best fit for this and thus coming to Rails. So it was also a little bit price. I wanted it to be virtual. I wanted to be able to work from home because I knew I would be really, really busy with my current role and I have an old dog that I didn't want to leave. So it was a lot of factors that led to Lewagon and I was really happy about it in the end. I'm a senior dog owner as well. So that definitely touched my heart. And I am going to age myself. (laughs) (laughs) Listeners know that I'm also a bootcamp graduate, but I did it roughly about 10 years ago. And at the time, Ruby on Rails was the only option. (laughs) So I wish I had. Yeah, I wish I had a more glamorous like reason for why I went Rails. Of course, (laughs) I'm super glad that I did. And now like the bootcamp scene is so different. But I can't imagine as a junior developer trying to choose a bootcamp based on frameworks and languages when you don't even know what those are. You know, that's probably a smart way to go, actually. But had I done that, I think I would have Googled Ruby and Googled Rails, which I did later, come up with all these YouTube videos that say Rails is dead. Maybe you should try these other frameworks and languages. So I'm really happy that that wasn't my approach because I don't believe that stigma at all. I completely agree. Now, to get to the other side of your origin story, I would love to hear the story of how you became the executive director of the Rails Foundation. Okay, so quick backstory about my career. I studied business and marketing in university and then from there worked various roles in various countries. So sometimes that really sets you back. So sometimes I worked for a bar or a hotel, but even in the hotel, I would work my way up to running their marketing department. So I was doing that. And at the time of the boot camp, I was on the events team at HashiCorp producing their user conferences for their community. And their community is both open source and enterprise at this point. So it's slightly different, but I was learning a lot and I'm in this boot camp. And to stay up to date on Ruby and Rails information, I followed a few sources on LinkedIn mostly and Twitter. And in November, I saw the announcement, like everyone else, Rails Foundation is launched to improve documentation. And I know now looking back that announcement actually says documentation, marketing, events, and education. But because I was in the thick of this boot camp and struggling myself with documentation, I stopped reading there. Rails Foundation is launched to improve documentation. And I was like, oh, fantastic. Send somebody in there, fix the documentation, and good luck, whoever it is. Can't wait to see what you're going to do. And then I just kind of went about my life and I think our team projects at that point, and we were really busy. So then about a month later, two days before I graduated from the bootcamp, another post showed up in my LinkedIn feed. Rails Foundation is looking for an executive director. And these are the responsibilities. And then that's when I kind of stopped and looked and kind of lined up my own experience in marketing and events and what they were looking for in video production what they were looking for and kind of thought, okay, I thought my Rails journey was going to end, but actually here's a way that I could use my experience and continue with Rails. So that's what I did. I imagine you put together a heck of a cover letter, right? (laughs) (laughs) I actually was so excited about this job. I was on a site visit in Paris 
and I couldn't get it out. Like I kind of, you know how sometimes if you're just waiting around, you'll scroll on Mm -hmm. a social media channel. I was doing that and that's when it came across and I put it back in my pocket and I couldn't stop thinking about it. So that night we went out to dinner as a team and I got back to my hotel, I think at midnight and immediately pulled out my laptop and I was working on it for a couple of hours into the night because I just thought, this is an opportunity that I can't let slide and I want to react now. I love that so much. So when I reached out to you about being on the show, you had told me that there were going to be some exciting initiatives coming out of the Rails Foundation. And yes, there have been. So let's talk about some of them. (laughs) I definitely want to talk about Rails World. What has been the most interesting challenge in planning Rails World so far? By far the most interesting challenge, the biggest challenge so far was finding a venue that was available. I've talked to a lot of the other Rails conference organizers and Ruby conference organizers at this point. And they all kind of understand that the planning starts a year out minimum for a well-orchestrated event. So the fact that I was starting the search for a venue and like in-person events are back. So all the cities are really full. The venues are fully booked out. So that was kind of my biggest stress. And one of the things I wanted to tackle head on immediately, like where is this event going to be? Which venues are available? When can we have it? And We were kind of really at the whim of the venue itself, whatever venue could kind of fit our vision and when they were available. So that's been the biggest challenge. And also going in knowing that we're not giving people time. That doesn't feel good for me as an event organizer because people need to know, speakers and attendees need to know what their year is going to look like. They want to have travel booked out. They have families, work travel, vacation to plan around. They need to be informed and we don't have that information yet. And same for sponsors. Most companies will look at their next year's conference budget at the end of the year. So October, November, they already know where their money is going to be spent. So we're really late with all these things. This episode is brought to you by Honey Badger. Monitoring, like web development, can be complicated. There are tons of tools and techniques, but you just want to know that your app is up and running and that your customers are happy. When your customers encounter a problem, you need clear, actionable intelligence not walls of charts and reams of logs to tail. That's why we built Honey Badger, the monitoring tool we have always wanted. A tool that's where you need it, when you need it, and it gets out of your way when you don't, so you can keep shipping. With Honey Badger, you can know when critical errors occur and which customers are affected. You can respond instantly when your systems go down. You can improve the health of your systems over time, and of course, fix problems before your customers can report them. Honey Badger is the application health monitoring tool built for you the developer who cares about a quality product and happy customers. Start monitoring today at honeybadger.io. HoneyBadger is free for small teams and setup takes as little as five minutes. Once again, that is honeybadger.io. Link is in the show notes. So this episode is going to publish on the final day of RailsConf. So listeners, if you are at RailsConf and you haven't said hello to either me and Amanda, what are you waiting for? Come find us and say hello. (laughs) Say hi. But what were your goals in attending RailsConf? My goal is really to meet the Rails community in person. I'm trying to do that as much as possible, wherever possible. This will be the second event that I'm headed to. I also attended the Rails Girls Workshop in Rotterdam, which is run by the Netherlands RB team. So I've been to a couple of Ruby meetups as well. And as I'm looking around, I was trying to find kind of all the Rails conferences, so not the greater Ruby community, but really specifically conferences for the Rails framework. And there's comparatively not that many 
There's RailsConf, RailsSASConf, RailsCamp, which sounds really cool. And then we just introduced Rails World. So wherever possible, I'm trying to get on the ground and meet the community and speak to them in person. That's awesome. So I have to ask for exclusive, Amanda, you know, I am a podcast host. So any chance I can ask you when the CFP is going to open for Rails World? Yeah, of course. This isn't a secret. It's just a matter of me being able to get my ducks in a row, I guess. So I'm really, really hoping by mid-May that it's launched. Okay, amazing. So listeners, start putting together your proposals now. So that way you can be ready to submit as soon as that goes live. Yes, please. Thank you. So a common thing that happens for me, Amanda, is that I do have a lot of junior developers that reach out to me. You know, I am a hiring manager. I'm an engineering manager and I've hired a lot of junior developers in the past. And so I do have a lot of listeners reach out. We do a lot of junior developer content on this show. So when a junior developer comes to me asking for resources, is this a problem that the Rails Foundation wants to solve? Absolutely. Yeah, that would fall under the documentation and possibly a little bit the education pillars, what I'm calling them, of what the foundation was set up for. We want the entry point to Rails to be easy to find, easy to understand, easy to absorb, and easy to love. That's fantastic. Certainly. Yeah, we're trying. I have to thank you. Can I just take a moment to thank you for the podcast? Because I keep listening and finding like these pearls of interesting content. Of course, that's what you're doing. But I've been listening to the Tightly Coupled Book Club podcast, which I learned about on your podcast. Love them. And they're doing exactly what I want to hear. They're tackling the Getting Started tutorials as a net new reader, which I really love. So I just wanted to thank them on this podcast for doing that, because that's exactly one of the things that I need to do. That's so fantastic. They will be thrilled to hear that. So Aji and Mina, that shout out is for you. And we'll definitely link that podcast up in the show notes because they have launched and they're on episode three by now. So listeners, if you haven't started listening, I would definitely catch up. There's not a ton of content yet. So now's the time to get in there. Yeah. Um, Okay. (laughs) Every Tuesday. So I've had juniors reach out to me about opportunities within Rails, and you had another exciting announcement. I believe it's happened last week where you've announced that you're looking for junior developers to put together the Rails World website. And so I'm curious from your side, how are applications looking so far? So far, we've had about 32 mentor applications come through and about 300 junior developers. So that's roughly one in eight or nine ratio. I'm surprised that there aren't more mentors, but I'm really happy with the junior developer number. So the next priority is just really kind of going through, seeing the applications themselves and trying to find the right mentor junior pair to put together. Okay. So listeners, if you are interested in being a mentor, it sounds like Amanda's still looking for some. So we'll definitely link that up in the show notes as well for you to apply. Now, one thing that I always am talking about, Amanda, is it's incredibly important to bring junior developers in the Rails community, but it's also incredibly important that we bring back the community members that we valued and cherished who have departed to other frameworks. Is that a problem that the Rails Foundation is also thinking over? Wow, that's really interesting. And if I'm being fully honest, it's the first time I've heard that suggestion and not actually something that I've considered until now. But sure that could be useful. So what we're looking at now is there's new developers, there's the experienced developers, and they have different needs. And then the third audience would be an experienced developer who's switching over from another framework. So this subset of people who have been on Rails but have migrated away, to me offhand, and this is just thinking out loud, 
that sounds a little like a targeted one-on-one approach. It would definitely be useful to know why they left. But I think what's more interesting is bigger programmatic efforts that will reach a widespread amount of people. So it's definitely something, thank you for the suggestion, something I can consider. But at the moment, it's really those first three audiences that we're thinking about. That's really insightful, Amanda, because it makes it clear that there's basically three segments that you're targeting. You're targeting new developers who would get started on Ruby on Rails, such as myself, like 10 years ago. We're also looking at people that are experienced in other frameworks and trying to coax them over and try Ruby on Rails just because they might have had the wrong idea about what kind of initiatives and how vibrant the framework is. And then that third segment that we talked about were people who were very involved in the community prior and departed just because they were looking for something different. Could have been concurrency. It could have been features. It could have been community involvement and then trying to coax them back and like having that initiative all under the same umbrella, I think is really great. So speaking of other programming communities, I imagine as the executive director of the Rails Foundation, you're also looking at what is going well with other communities. Is there any examples of things that other communities are doing well that you're kind of taking inspiration from? Yes, there are. I think mostly when I'm dipping into other communities, it's for really specific reconnaissance purposes. So right now, first and foremost, it's really looking at information architecture and UX of their documentation specifically. That's kind of the priority for me right now to understand what Rails is facing when we finally get ready to start making changes to our documentation. So React is doing a great job there. And it's really fresh because this was like a month ago that they released an updated React.dev. And I was telling the remote Ruby guys that Dan Abramov, who headed that whole project was kind enough to jump on a call with me and brain dump his whole experience, like the challenges he faced, the times he had to backtrack and rethink the strategy, what he would do differently. So that was really kind of him. He didn't have to do that, but he took like an hour out of his day to just sit and talk to me and answer my questions. That's really amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I thought so too. Cause like he didn't have to do that. We're in completely different circles, but Well, speaking of documentation, I know it is a big goal for the foundation. You've mentioned it a couple of times. I know you have multiple initiatives that you're trying to keep up at once. So I'm just very overall, very impressed by you, Amanda. But I'm curious, how are you going to tackle documentation? I don't like to admit this because nobody likes working overtime, but I was up until 4 a.m. the other night because I was just so excited about what I was facing. And trying to figure out, okay, I was finally ready. Do you know how you mull on something for a really long time? But when Mm -hmm. inspiration hits, you just have to keep going with it. The flow states, so to speak. And that's what hit me the other night. And I finally chunked it down into, okay, if we're looking at this whole project from a really holistic standpoint, like what are the phases that we're going to have to pass through to understand? And that's, for instance, content auditing to see where we are content planning to see what's missing, user research, information architecture, the whole UX design of it. So kind of fleshing that out in a plan was really helpful for me because before that I was a little bit like, where do we even start with something like this? So now I have a better idea of where we're going to start and what kind of team I have to put together to do this. And I'd like to take a moment here to shout out to Zizak on GitHub who prefers to keep it fairly under the radar. So I hope he doesn't mind that I'm calling him out by name, but he and I have met and a few times and he's given me some really great context into 
the documentation side of the Rails website and how it's built and how it's gotten to be where it is. So he and I are kind of working through a couple of ideas. And I just wanted to acknowledge him that it's not just me. There's other people in the community who are really into this and trying to help. That's amazing that you shouted him out. And thank you for all your work, Zizak. Hi, everyone. It's Brian, your co-host. I'd like to talk to you about something that is very near and dear to my heart. And that's the software consultancy I co-founded in 2001, Atlantis Technology. Some of the longtime listeners here may know Mirror was born out of Atlantis back in 2006 when we figured, let's try being Ruby engineers who recruit Ruby engineers. It was a unique idea that clicked and now has become my life's work. But while I've been growing Mirror for the past 15 years, Atlantis has continued to grow as well. Atlantis still specializes in Ruby on Rails software development and collaborates on some pretty meaningful projects. Here are a couple of my favorites. An interactive education tool to help elementary school students learn how to read. How cool is that, right? Second is a SaaS application for clinics and hospitals to treat patients remotely. So my point is the work we do is really meaningful and impactful to others. But the best part is the work gets done by great developers who also happen to be great people. Atlantis has always attracted egoless, empathetic engineers who love working together and we are actively seeking more remote engineers to help build the future for our clients. While I'm not doing the actual recruiting for Atlantis myself, since my time is so focused on Mirror clients, it'd be my privilege to connect you with our CTO and co-founder, John Collier, who after 19 years, I still describe as one of the most relentlessly positive human beings I know. If you'd like to meet John and hear more about working at Atlantis, just drop me an email at brian at mirrorplacement.com and I'll make an intro or apply directly at atlantistech.com. We'll put a link in the show notes. I am curious. So currently all of the documentation is maintained through open source contributions, correct? So would it be a change where the Rails Foundation is creating a team around documentation? Could you maybe explain a little more in that sense? No, no. So it, it would continue to be maintained by the community. Got it's it. It's just kind of restructuring what it looks like from the front end design and making the authoring experience easier. Love that. So I know that the Rails Foundation has also put out a suggestion form, and I imagine you have gotten a lot of feedback so far. So I am curious, what has been a really solid suggestion that you've gotten through that form? I wish I had something to share. So I kind of did that a little bit low key and chipped it and didn't really promote it much except for in a blog post. So there has only been about 12 suggestions coming through. Like as they come in, I acknowledge them, I respond to the person and then I kind of file them into buckets. Like, does this have to do with documentation? Does it have to do with events? And what's interesting is that, and this is also something I've seen on Twitter since I've been in this role, all the ideas coming at the foundation are reinforcing the ideas that we're already considering and publicly talking about. So to me, that's the thing about ideas, right? Like we're all trying to achieve the same thing and then there's various ways you can do that. So it's been really interesting to me. I think of that as, yes, we're on the right track because everybody supports these ideas and we're all having the same ideas. So there hasn't been like a net new unique idea, unfortunately, but just more confirmation. Like the most recent one that came in said, we need to improve docs. That was it. That was the whole suggestion. Well, I, I mean, like, at least you're going in the right direction, yeah, right? I you're mean, not wrong, right? <laughs> who doesn't want validation, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
Okay, so I do want to talk about the core and contributing members because you keep announcing new members, which is very exciting. So I'm curious, how does that whole structure work and how are they supporting you in the initiatives for the Rails Foundation? Yeah, it's going faster than I expected with contributing members. There's a lot of outreach and a lot of interest and people are meeting with a lot of companies to say, like, how can we contribute and figuring out what works for them, whether that's going to be contributing member, which we have three now, or another way of working together. Who knows? So with the contributing members, these are new conversations. With Core, I've had a little bit more time with them. And it's the ways that they're supporting. So when I speak to the community on behalf of the Rails Foundation, I keep having to explain what we're aiming to achieve, that our mission is to improve documentation, create events, support with marketing, et cetera, et cetera, and what these initiatives look like. So with the core members and my conversations with them, they don't need to hear the pitch. They're on board. So they know exactly what we're trying to achieve and the mission behind it and the ways that we're going to get there. So what they've been really great at is providing other suggestions within those pillars, resources, context, a bit of rubber ducking ideas, counter arguments sometimes, helping us amplify our messages and introductions in the community. So one of the board members, Bruno Miranda from Doximity, was kind and had the foresight to say like, have you spoken to any other foundation? So he introduced me to Rebecca Rumble, who's the executive director of the Rust Foundation. And she and I had a really good call about what it's like to be the executive director of a new foundation that's there to support an open source, in her case, language. And the Rust Foundation is a year and a half old at this point. So she's just been through everything that I'm going through now, setting up the operational side of a foundation, the issues that you face, like financial issues, legal issues, all while trying to strategize for the future, but also plan and launch initiatives in the present and also speak to the community. So that's the kind of support I'm getting from the core members. And it's been really, really helpful. Oh, that's wonderful. So selfishly, I have to ask this, Amanda. So (laughs) does the Rails Foundation have any goals around podcasting or content creation outside of documentation? Content creation, yes, but I guess in support of the documentation. So not really outside of documentation, like, like video tutorials that will support the written tutorials. That's definitely on the roadmap. Social media content, that's definitely on the roadmap as well. No plans for a podcast, but I will take this moment right now to tell everyone about the Rails Changelog, which is a new podcast started by Emmanuel Hayford, who you've had on this podcast, mm-hmm. and who's one of the volunteers who wrote the This Week in Rails newsletter. So if people can go, please check that out. It's a new Rails podcast. Emmanuel is amazing. I don't know how he has the time in the day to do everything that he does. He reached out to me as he was getting the Rails change log together and had me listen to a sample episode. And I was wildly jealous because his sample episode was far better than like the first couple (laughs) episodes I've done on this podcast. So I'm just really proud of what they've managed to put together. So listeners definitely subscribe. We'll have that linked up in the show notes. So Amanda, I also have to ask too, you had tweeted out, I think this was a couple of weeks ago, that you were running on a treadmill while doing Go Rails tutorials. <laughs> please, please explain that situation and how you pulled that off. Okay. So disclaimer to anybody who's listening, please talk to your healthcare practitioner before attempting such activities. And personal disclaimer, I would say, please 
kids, don't try this at home. It would be much better if you're following a tutorial to sit in front of your own environment and get your hands on the keyboard and follow along. But I am trying to get back into running and mentally I'm not quite there yet, like motivation wise. So I figured this was a way to kind of kill two birds with one stone. And I mean, Chris is so nice to listen to, right? So it eased the pain of my body running to listen to something that I was interested in by somebody that I can listen to for more than the 30 minutes that it took. I think that's so smart. I ran 20 miles on a treadmill once and I only only survived just because I had so many Peloton classes lined up and it was just like my favorite classes, (laughs) favorite artists, just pleading and begging for the world for the time to go past. And I made it through. It is not for the faint of heart, but I just think it's really clever to be doing something like that where you truly can focus. You're not going to be distracted. You can't pick up your phone and scroll through it while you're looking at this tutorial. I just thought that was a really clever way to not, you know, two birds with one stone. And you're not looking at the numbers, like counting down the minutes Mm -hmm. or the miles. It's an interesting way to go about it. But I lost a lot of street cred with my friend who walked up behind me while I was doing it. And the look of disgust when she saw that I was technically working while working out, she was so disappointed in me. Hey, we like our type A people on this show. (laughs) So Amanda, how can the Ruby on Rails community help you in everything that you're trying to do? I do have a sort of ask. It's a vague ask, but I have this idea in my head. It's a bit of a high in the sky ideal world where everything that the Rails Foundation does, all the software that we need and all the services that we're using will be built on Rails. So like the foundation exists to support the Rails community and ecosystem. And one easy way I think we can do that is to use what's on offer in the Rails ecosystem and to show in practice what's possible with Rails. So for instance, Rails World tickets are going to go live soon. We need a registration software. So I did some asking around and I found Tito, who I also used in my last company as well. They're an Irish company. It's a registration software built on Rails. So to me, that was like a natural shoe in. And it's a small thing, but it's important to me to prioritize Rails solutions over all others, at least first. I don't know if this can scale to an ideal world where I'm only using Rails products around me, but I'm always going to try. And like the suggestion form, that's another one built on Rails, Basecamp and Hay, which will come as no surprise, but they were donated by 37Signals, our core member. The CFP is going to be on paper call, which is built on Rails. So from time to time, I'm really going to need the help, the hive mind to kind of say, I would like to put an ask out and say, does anybody know of a blank company built on Rails? Just so I can kind of try to support the community that we're here to support in in any way that I can. I think that's a really wonderful initiative. And I agree. You might not be able to find a solution for everything, but it is shocking how many companies out there are built on Rails that you don't realize are built on Rails. I actually didn't know that Tito was on Rails. So I feel like we're going to see more and more of that, right? Yeah. And I need to hear about more. I have to operationally run things here. And surely there's solutions out there. Surely. And if not, maybe it'll give people ideas for businesses. Well, speaking of, how can listeners follow you and the Rails Foundation? The blog on the Rails website, the official Rails channels on Twitter and LinkedIn. I would say, please follow the This Week in Rails newsletter. I have a really good channel with the volunteers who, Zizak is one of them, Emmanuel is another one. We talk pretty closely, so most of the news will start to be more into the This Week in Rails newsletter. 
yeah, that's pretty much it. Those are the, the top three places. Okay. So if you're looking for different software solutions, are you likely to tweet that from your own account or are we going to actually see that from the official Ruby on Rails Twitter handle? Oh, that would probably be my own account. In that case, Amanda B. Perino on Twitter. But LinkedIn is better. I'm trying as much as possible to keep Twitter a safe space where I can talk about dogs, but it's turning into more Rails stuff. So I would say LinkedIn is the first place I would ask. Can I confess to you that I used to never log into LinkedIn and then all of a sudden LinkedIn got real interesting and now I log in every single day and I feel like I'm getting more advanced in my career that I actually care about LinkedIn. Yeah, all the other kind of channels, they just become less interesting and then suddenly you're like, but this is weird that the work social media channel is the interesting one. But yeah, it's also where we are in life, maybe. It is where we are in life. Well, Amanda, it has been an absolute pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you so much for coming. I am excited to meet you in person at RailsConf and we'll definitely have you probably on again when we talk about how Rails World win or other initiatives that you announce. Thank you so much for having me. I mean, I'm still new to podcasting. This is only the second or third one. So I really appreciate you taking the time to ask me all these questions and allow me this platform to talk about Rails World and the other things we're doing. So thank you. You've been listening to the Ruby on Rails podcast. Follow us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever fine podcasts are downloaded to stay in the loop on Ruby on Rails and open source software. While you're at it, please leave us a review. And thank you for listening.